I published a fifth book in 2011 when the series was just going on the air, so I was like five books ahead. I was completely confident that uh, I would have the entire series finished and Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring would be out before they, uh, they got to them. Because you plan to have two more books. Two more books, yes. You, you had once been quoted saying that you would find it alarming if, uh, if they caught up, if the series got ahead of you. Well, I didn't, yes, I was, I was <laughs> it, it was a blow when uh, the series caught up. I didn't think it would happen. When it was clear they were catching up, you told them over a kind of an overarching future of, of where you saw the, the last two books going in terms of plot? Yes, and, you know, the major beats. I mean, obviously, we're talking here about a, a several days of story conferences taking place in my home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, but there's no way to get in all the detail, right. all the minor characters, all the secondary characters. The series has, has uh, been extremely faithful compared to 97% of all television and movie adaptations of literary properties, but it's not completely faithful, and, uh, and it can't be. Uh, otherwise, it would have to run another five seasons. And in essence, what by the time the series is finished and your other two books are finished, essentially it's going to be two set different Hello, everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third. I'm Jack Allison. And today we're talking about something that everyone is talking about. Every oh, yeah. single human being um, on the planet, or at least online, seems to be talking about one thing, and that, of course, is Game of Thrones. And today we have two special guests to talk about Game of Thrones with us because. Um, Neither Jack or I like this show, <laughs> but I wanted to get two people on. I once two, did. Who who do enjoy uh, this show, or, or at least know enough about it and have watched like all the episodes. So, of course, uh, we have first um, our second anime correspondent, uh, Emma Bowers, coming back on the show. Thank you so much for coming back. My pleasure. You know, Alex is in Japan right now, so, you know... Now his <laughs> Can you duty serve goes the throne? to take the, yeah, take the throne. And we have, you know, writer, um, who, uh, hot take maker, wow. um, controversial figure online, but <laughs> a very smart guy, uh, Sean T. Collins, the official recapper of Game of Thrones for the uh, dirtbag left. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> That's the nicest introduction to anything I've ever gotten. I'm glad to be back. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. Yep. And so the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that we have, you know, said on the show, like, moments like this are dead. They don't happen anymore. These cultural moments sure. where everybody is talking about the same thing and watching the same thing. But it happened. It really happened for this um, season premiere of the final season of Game of Thrones, where just everybody was all of a sudden into it, tweeting about it, talking about it. I didn't expect it to happen. I didn't expect it to blow up this big. I just want to ask y'all, like, why? Why Why did this, you know, break through um, the couple of years of just, you know, people talking about random different stuff? Like, the closest thing to this in the past few years has been 
like Korean boy bands, like appearing on late night <laughs> shows. That's the closest like cultural, multicultural touchstone we've had. For me, I feel like it might just be that this is one of our last ones ever that we get to do. And so I think everyone is just like really getting into it with a lot of zeal and enthusiasm because I think we all maybe know in our heart of hearts that this might be one of the last times every any like everyone in America cares about a TV show uh, that airs at a specific time that uh, we don't all get to like stagger our viewing of it and you know uh, uh, and watch on our own time. So I don't know. I think that maybe some of the enthusiasm here is because um, this is the one last time to get excited about a TV show. Um, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, Matt Solar Sites at Vulture had a piece on this that I thought was pretty good. And, and it, it's kind of like you say, it's a combination of things. It's uh, an enormously popular show, just in terms of raw numbers. And not just, it's not popular for a prestige TV show, or popular for an HBO show. It is straight up like broadcast network popular. Mm-hmm. And it also happens to be a prestige TV show. That's maybe not the most it's definitely not the most universally acclaimed one, but it kind of filled the shoes of, I guess, prior to this, it would have been Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. which in turn filled the shoes of, you know, going back to The Sopranos. So it's part of that lineage, too. There's the, the fantasy element, and obviously I think fantasy both directly in terms of The Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and then indirectly in terms of superheroes, which has a big fantasy element, mm-hmm. uh, has been kind of the genre of the century so far. And it's not streaming. Like you said, It's it airs on a cable network at a certain time, on a certain day. And obviously a lot of people watch it at will through HBO Go and HBO Now and Torrents and whatever. But it is appointment viewing still. And that combination is very like that's that's like you know that's like jumping through all the hoops at once that like (laughs) stuff that's you know the cbs shows are all hugely high rated but you know no one gives critics don't give a shit about them because they suck (laughs) right and you know and and so on and so on there's there's stranger things is a huge cultural thing but it's different because they dump it all at once and people watch it right um and also i suspect that they just don't get as big of ratings as game of thrones does but we don't know yeah i mean who knows i've had people yell at me and say like it makes perfect sense that more people would watch you the the stalker show that was on lifetime or fucking (laughs) bird box than game of thrones i'm like no it really doesn't that doesn't make sense um so that's that's my take on it it's just kind of a perfect storm of all these different factors that's very, very going to be very, very hard to reproduce in the future. Yeah, Sean says it best. It's perfect storm, like everyone's saying. You have to watch it, in theory, like one episode weekly. It's popular. It also hits those little, like, kind of, you know, fantasy notes that we're becoming fond of. Um, it blows my mind how it kind of went from, and I was mentioning this the other day, the first season I went as uh, Daenerys for Halloween. So I went as Daenerys. My dog was a dragon. No one knew who I was. Like, <laughs> right. nobody. And now, like, you know, I-, I go by, like, Hot Topic, and it's like, Can Eyes has Mothers of Dragon shirt. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like I can, like, you know, like, I, I once like got a back of like when I was in the fucking CrossFit gym, like five douchebags had t-shirts that said I lift and I know things. Like <laughs> oh, it's become it's become like this this it's it's a phenomenon. Right. And I kind of also agree it's kind of the last of its legacy. These things I feel kind of come in, they're these 
big phenomenons, a bunch of smaller, you know, franchises try to kind of cash in and grab what made it big. They kind of can't. And it reminds me of, um, I always think of like YA dystopians. It's like there's that mm-hmm. big one. They're big. People try to, and just, you know, crashes. Like, you know what I mean? It starts off as the Hunger Games and then suddenly it's Moral Engines that made five bucks in the theater <laughs> and like two people saw it, you know? And yeah. so that's it. There'll never be another Game of Thrones and they will try. I mean, you know, bless right. their fucking hearts. Well, they're they going to try will, with, they will tr- with all these spinoff series that they're going to do. They will mm-hmm. try with spinoff. They're going to try with the HBO uh, His Dark Materials. They're going to try with The Witcher on Netflix and they'll never catch that. Um, there will not be that, you know... <laughs> I wasted all my memes. I, yeah, I mean, loath as I am to say it, this is a sad thing to acknowledge, yeah. but uh, Witcher on Netflix does give me uh, very mortal engines <laughs> after Hunger Games kind of vibes. The Lord uh, of the Rings series the, on Amazon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I'm I'm the biggest fucking fan of The Witcher, but I'm going to watch that Netflix show, and I'm just going to rant and rave about what I'm going to fuck this. Fuck this. Right. <laughs> I, I will say, by the way, that, the, that getting to be a part of monoculture like one last time... Like, really did pull me in. I was not, like, ready to make this appointment viewing. I was not, like, you know, sitting on the edge of my seat to see what happens next in the fake, not real ending of the Song of Ice and Fire uh, 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 saga. Mm -hmm. Um, But... All the tweets and everybody, like, it's beginning, it's beginning. I was like, well, fuck, I guess I, like, <laughs> want to be part of something bigger than myself for no, once. And, like, <laughs> and, and that was me, too. I was like, right. no, nah, I'm done at the show. I don't care anymore. Like, yeah. it's like Harry Potter, Marvel Universe levels of, like, normie culture. And my boyfriend still <laughs> watches it. He's like, we're going to, he's like, I'm going to watch it. You can watch it, too, but you need to, I mean, he, he didn't say this, but he was like, you need to, like, shut the fuck up and stop criticizing if you're going to watch it with me. I was like, okay. And I'm just like I'm, I'm like I'm like I'm gonna watch it. I'm not gonna be happy. And then five seconds later, I'm on Twitter like, oh my gosh, guys, you said about elephants. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine not liking the show right now. I just can't. I, I would I would fucking die. God, it's inescapable. It is yeah. inescapable. <laughs> well, if you're uh, in real life, like you said, you walk through and Hot Topic has all this this bullshit. It's like every fucking store. And then like online, Jesus Christ, like every single publication right. that have like a Game of Thrones department now, a Game of Thrones right. vertical yeah. on every single website. Did you see Variety tweeting during the Game of Thrones uh, show? Ugh. It's just like Variety live tweeted Game of Thrones just with like reaction gifts. I'm like, what the f- is this like? Like the industry magazine, bro. What the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> so you, you you say you couldn't imagine, you know, someone not liking Game of Thrones right now. And I just want to say, um, neither Jack and I like Game of Thrones right now. I, and my that condolences. Just shows, that shows just our mental fortitude and strength uh, to get through it. Um, so it was a two year break. It was almost a, 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 like a is year that and a half. So two it years. really was. A yeah, long, it was like yeah. a Sopranos style break. The, it was like a yeah, year and a half. Half technically wow. because it was in it, the last one aired in the summer and it, so it was longer than usual between the previous two seasons as well. Yeah, okay. and people like I remember this. People were thinking like, "Okay, Trump is president. We may not see the next season of Game of wow. Thrones." They've 
planned it too far out. Like some the apocalypse is going to happen between now and then, and we'll never get the last season of Dave Droves. But we, no. but we made it. We made it. We may never get the last. We never get, may not get. We may never get the real ending. We'll never get the we book. We are getting the. Uh, well, mm. I don't know about never. I hold out. I still hold out hope. I'm no, a true believer. me too, man. Me I too. love George. Uh-uh. I love George R. R. Martin. Yep. Berserk, Berserk, the manga series will finish before George R. R. Martin puts out Game of Thrones. <laughs> There's a new chapter coming out next month. This month. There's a new chapter a Berserk of Berserk or Game of Thrones. Of Berserk, Berserk. Oh god. He should he should put it out like chapter yeah. by chapter, like five pages at Honestly, a time. Honestly, he point. he kind of has. Like there are like four chapters of Winds of Winter floating around, and I'm certain those are the only chapters he's finished. So that he probably has. Put out all the chapters so far. <laughs> all right, but get, get, so watching this show after two years, I just want to ask you guys before we, you know, crap on for Jack and I like talk smack about it. What did you think as big Game of Thrones fans? Was this what you were waiting for? Was this, you know, what you were expecting? Does this knock your socks off after this very long wait? I, how do I put this? I went in expecting nothing. I was entertained by it. But then when I thought about it critically, I was like, oh, this is, and this comes up a lot when I talk about the kind of, uh, the, the, the kind of make believe seasons they've been doing since they ran out of material. It's, to me, it, it's fan fiction. And I mean that in terms of there's sort of a self-indulgence. It's, mm. ooh, what if these characters met up? And also it feels very, it feels like what the characters say now is something where they were writers remember, remember in the first season a character said this and mm-hmm. it just like won the internet. What if they say something else? And I keep seeing, speaking of reaction gifts, and it drove me crazy. It'd be like, oh my gosh, what Sansa said to Tyrion and then to somebody, you know, kind of snapping or whatever. And I'm like, they're not real people. She didn't come <laughs> up that on the fly. This was highly scripted in a room of writers in Los Angeles. And it felt so like <laughs> indulgent. It reminds me, it's like, oh, so if like, you know, right, if you could have these two characters in a room, oh, what would you say? Oh my gosh, I bet they could say this. And it felt, it felt like that, that gag in red letter media, you know, like I clapped, I clapped when I saw it. <laughs> and so I feel like in terms of yeah the production values are still amazing i feel entertained when i'm watching it but i also feel i'm being really pandered to as someone who knows that i have liked the books and liked the show in the past <laughs> if that makes sense yeah i mean to me it does i i i'm i still remain pretty bullish on the show but i did say in my review that this one felt a lot more I hate to say words like fan servicey. It's so corny, but uh, it it was a crowd pleaser in a way that I don't hmm. think the show has really done before, and certainly not from front to back like this one was. And I would imagine that more so than any other season, the season was conceived of as sort of a unit. And this is like mm-hmm. the first episode, so everyone meets each other and everyone reunites with each other and says hello, and you get all these kind of moments that people have been waiting for for years where the Stark kids reunite or where Sansa meets Daenerys and all these things. And there's dragon people are riding around on dragons and it's very fantasy wish fulfillment. And you know, for the reaction gif viewer, this is like (laughs) the ideal game of Thrones, you know? And I, I, so I reserve, I enjoyed it because I'm a fan, you know, I, I just, I, I miss some of the, uh, man's inhumanity to man that has sort of been the stock and trade of the show. I imagine they'll get there. 
that said, it is an epic fantasy, and George R. R. Martin certainly has never been shy about the fact that he's like, no, it's, it's, I'm not going to let... It's not, it's not going to end with the bad guys winning and there's an apocalypse and all life on the planet is wiped out. Like, he's not that much of a revisionist. He's, it's going to be bittersweet, he told me when I interviewed him. But So there's always going to head this way, where it's going to be dragons versus zombies and the good guys and bad guys and so on. But it right now, it's a little more kind of froofy than I'm used to. And it takes some getting used to. Yeah, it's so tough for me because I really do love all these characters and I love to see it all. I love George's world. I love to see. It's like it's just they're all it's not real. They're just fake. They're not the real characters anymore. (laughs) So it's like there's a part of me that is like, wow, even last season when it was like the Rhaegar Lyanna thing came true or whatever. I was like, it's just not the right way though it's not how it was supposed to be i don't know it's like it's too hard for me because it's like yes there are these moments you know uh, uh, of the star kids reuniting and everything like that but it just like feels so like tonally off from like what you know the show I, 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 I initially was it just feels like the tone has been off completely since they ran out of uh, uh, George R. R. Martin source material to to work with in, Wait. in my mind. Like it just, you know, it feels like George got hung up because he got himself into like this Gordian knot where it was like really difficult to solve all the sol- story problems and like do it in a satisfying way that still felt consistent with like the rest of the story. And the TV guys kind of were like, okay, we got this. Like we just won't worry about that stuff. Like we'll just like uh, get this thing done. I-, I-, I don't know. Like Jack, uh, tonally off. Are you saying that the dragon chasing scene from like the eighties <laughs> slapped how to stick comedy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, also not- by the way. You know, I know this is not a character in the books, the like little girl who's like the Lord of the Umbers or whatever. Oh, the little badass. Yeah. That scene early Leanna on Mor- when it's like Leanna Mormont. Yeah. When it's like yeah, Leanna Mormont. You're right. Sorry. Not the Umbers. Not the Umbers. The Mormons. Uh uh that scene when it's like Sansa and the and Jon Snow and Leanna Mormont, I'm like, are little kids running all the every single <laughs> Game of Thrones house? It's like it's all is, little is, kids. Isn't it what it is in the books though? There's no, there's no, uh, uh, there's no. Uh, Wait, I thought uh, they were Mormon. all like five years younger. There, there is a Liana Mormon character. We don't meet her yet, but she wrote like a handwritten note to. Shit, I now I don't remember. I think it was Ramsey Bolton actually, or maybe his okay. dad. Where the where like whoever took over the North was like, hey, you better. Um, I don't know. Shit, I don't remember. But someone got a letter that said we we recognize only one king. His last name is Stark. Fuck you. And it was written in like a child's handwriting because she was eight. You know, because her Liana wrote it to Stannis Baratheon. Stannis, that's who it was. Thank you. What I I meant was like, weren't all like the main characters like Jon Snow, Sansa? Weren't they all like five years younger? A lot younger. So you get like little like I don't know. I guess like like. 12 or 13 year old Daenerys being like, you know, basically like, you know, pimped off to Cal Drogo in the first book. And, um, I mean, they do sometimes have like younger kids in position of power. That was something I remember reading in the books, which is like, you know, um, with Winterfell, like one by one, the Starks kind of keep having to go off and do other things. I think eventually there's a point where like the littlest Stark, Rickard, is like in charge of Winterfell. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. And George R. R. Martin kind of enjoys his like kind of nods to weird, you know, uh, medieval traditions of marrying mm-hmm. off young people. There's a thing which they 
thankfully fucking left out of the show were like um just in order to like for like lineage and like house titles and stuff some like second it's like not even a main character it's like mentioned in passing but some noble lord marries like a two-year-old child just because she's officially like queen and in, in yes. title um right. Tomin, who is aged up to like a teenager in right. this yeah he marries Marjorie. which actually he's like that's a, that was yeah. a, that was a misstep for me because i like Tommen in the books who's yeah. married to uh uh what, what was her name again sorry Mar- Marjorie. Emma Marjorie, yeah Marjorie. i like in the books when it's like he's like literally a little kid who's yeah. like excited about seeing a cat yeah. <laughs> that's like a that was some fun from the books. sir pounce baby so my view on this episode is that you know i i thought it was actually refer return to form from last uh, season seven where everything was just so rushed and there was this huge pace and there was these big battles the battle of the bastards which everyone was completely wild by even though it made absolutely no logistical (laughs) sense whatsoever what's up with all the mud i thought it's winter up there where's (laughs) where's all this mud or or the fact that you know you could take like there's battles have actually happened in the past and you could you know glean stuff from that like when a small a smaller army can encircle a larger army and kill them that could have been the way to do it instead of just doing like the deus as machina uh thing but i but also the I, pile of bodies was like berserk style like yes. it's cartoonish <laughs> yeah. that, like but big the, mountain of bodies see to me that's that gets you past any logistical objections you might have like if you're doing a show about the folly of war and how people should band together against common uh problems rather than bicker and squabble and you have a battle scene where people literally are drowning in dead bodies like (laughs) sign me up man like i'm good i'm good i know it doesn't make any sense and i don't give a shit and so what i thought this episode uh returned to was the normal game of throws thing which is just people staring off into a distance not looking at each (laughs) other and saying bitchy things right Mm -hmm. like that is what this entire episode uh basically was about and i feel like this is what game of thrones about is ultimately about and this is why i kind of hate it because when you strip <laughs> apart when you look at, when you take away the dragons and the monsters and all this and that it's just a soap opera it's just the most soap opera of soap operas that there is and i understand why people love soap operas people always love soap operas but i don't know but i just can't get down with something that feels as you know kind of aimless and directionless as this one because you know, game, the big thing about Game of Thrones is that they kill off a bunch of people. They kill off the main characters. They kill off the hero. Then they kill off his son and, and his wife and his, uh, wife and then his sons. And then like by the end, end, all we are left with is like all the worst, some of the worst characters and some of the worst actors too, because all of the big parts from the, uh, earlier seasons, all those people are dead. And now we're just like stuff with the people who were hired when they were like 15 to be on the show. Yeah, but I think they got pretty lucky with a lot of the I know I understand that different actors are acquired tastes and some people like them and some people are just like what the fuck are you talking about this person just self-evidently sucks. Uh but I think I I feel like they got pretty lucky across the board with the child actors. But you're right that there's this sort of generational turnover that makes it feel like a very different thing from when it started and it also as you said has a soap opera feeling because as you go characters move on and new people come and take their place and it 
it, it is it does have that sweet but i'm a soap opera guy i mean i watched the young <laughs> and the restless for years so it's tough that doesn't bother me that would explain it. Like I, I've never been <laughs> big in, in the soap operas. I like stories that end uh, sometimes brutally. We mentioned Berserk. That's my favorite mm-hmm. thing. If if Game of Thrones does go the Berserk route, I may retroactively like it. No, this is something I think um, it's people who read the books and are criti- critics of it also kind of point out. They're like, look, like the first book, you know, if you're reading it, like I like a fantasy book. You don't expect Ned Stark to die. And that was groundbreaking. And so for people who are watching the show, and if you look at the posters, it was like Sean Bean. Sean Bean's in this. Sean Bean, you guys. And people who didn't read the books were like shocked as well. And then they pulled that again of the Red Wedding and same thing. Mm. It shocked everyone. And because of this, it almost led to, I almost want to say an opposite boy who cried wolf, because then they could be like, oh, no one's safe, no one's safe. But it's like, no, now you have these established characters and you kind of do like them. And I say this to both the producers of the show and George R. R. Martin, because, um, I mean, spoilers for the most recent book, book five, it ends with Jon Snow, same thing, being stabbed to death. And everyone predicted, like I said, and who knows, maybe George R. R. Martin will be like, nope, Jon Snow stays dead. But the big prediction was when that finished, they were like, no, like, Jon Snow's gonna stay alive, he's gonna get resurrected by, I'm never gonna pronounce her name right, uh, Mel Sandry. Mm-hmm. And the TV show did this, the book might, so it kind of feels like that sense of no one's safe has kind of been taken away to a little bit of an extent. There's a security now, and the thing is, like you said, like, I mean, George R. R. Martin says in the books, at least, he wants an ending that's bittersweet. The TV show is not going to, like, kill off everybody and only have like sir pounce remaining you know they're right right. they'll be and here's the thing let's say like daenerys or Jon snow you know do or you know um Tyrion die it'll be like you know sweet and like sacrificing and they'll have final words it won't be like yeah it won't be like well, if you think about um, Robin Ned's deaths, you know they're 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 unfair. They're unfair and they're painful, and no one is dying heroically. These people are getting like fucked over because they were good people. They were heroes. Yes, yes, right. yes. And yeah, in a way, like it, you know, I've read the books a bunch and and have podcasted about them and written about them and written about the show and all this stuff. And I've read all the ancillary material. And the more I think about it, there's a tension in the project, both the books and the show. And the tension is this. On the one hand, it it is about how it's set in a world where it's difficult to be a hero. Things are not guaranteed to go your way if you're a hero, the the way they kind of are in other fantasy settings. Even ones that I like and Martin likes, like Tolkien. Um, You know, it's Lord of the Rings ends bittersweetly, but... Aragorn and Frodo and Gandalf basically triumph. And the and the whole point of A Song of Ice and Fire is that there's no, you know, Ned didn't triumph and Rob didn't triumph. And who knows, you know, what may happen down the line. But at the same time, running underneath all of this is this legend of Azor High reborn, the prince who was promised, the long night, you know, a hero that will f- fight back the darkness. And there's something kind of, I think, poignant to that that i don't know 
that the show has really been able to tease out because they stayed away from a lot of that prophecy stuff mm. up front, which was smart because when it started, everyone still had lost on the brain. And if they had started introducing yeah. prophecies and clues and <laughs> shit, that's all anyone would have talked about. So that was a smart move. But it's in a way, it's sort of like how religion functions in the real world in this kind of poignant way to me where it's uh, everything is shit. But at the same time, you're kind of counting on things to go right in a supernatural way in the end. And that's where the books are headed, and that's where the show is headed. And I'm very curious as to how, if they can pull that off and still feel like the Game of Thrones people knew and liked. So we've kind of been talking around this. What ending do you want to see for this show? What ending do you want to see for the show? Um, I know the ending that I want, and it's one that um, when I posted this to all the leftists that follow me, what they want, they basically want all the nobles to um, get wrecked and for the people of uh, Westerfeld or whatever it's called to erect <laughs> some sort of democratic system to replace them because the kind of through line through all the series is that the aristocracy um sucks shit none of them know what they're doing they're none of them are very smart they've been fighting all these wars they've gotten all these you know normal people killed for no reason now they have an existential threat coming and they still can't get their shit together and so the best way to end the series is just for the uh, proletariat proletariat to rise up establish a new order and do away with all these bloodlines and this that and all these you know incestuous you know heirs of such and such house or whatever what do you guys think as actual game of thrones fans what about my ending I will say this, if it ends with all the monarchies just being completely abolished and say, like, you know, a commoner like Davos Seaworth just, like, you know, kind of taking over, like, a democratically elected council, um, that would redeem everything for me. You would not be allowed to criticize Game of Thrones ever again if it ended on that (laughs) note. Um, And, I mean, uh, that is the thing, which to the extent, like, I mean, yeah, there is a lot of sense of, like, hey, like, people like Daenerys, who should in any kind of lesser written book be kind of this flawless heroine is Daenerys fucks up constantly. She knows she's supposed Mm -hmm. to rule and she doesn't always know what to do. And she's making some terrible mistakes and she's always like this close to kind of just becoming like her, you know, crazy dad to an extent. Mm -hmm. And the only thing is just, well, at the core, she's a person with morals to an extent. She's a ish, but like, you know, but I think that, I I don't know. I feel like the book's a little better and being like, no, Danny has no clue what she's doing. In in Dance with Dragons. Oh God. Yeah. Very much get into like, Oh, she doesn't know how to govern. No, <laughs> I, I, no idea how to govern. Exactly. Which I think is an interesting thing that we didn't like uh, uh, again get into as much in the television show. But I guess I'm just one of these books is better guys or whatever. Yeah, I so- want to say like I really, really hate Danny. That character <laughs> drives me up the wall, and I am so suspicious of every person who's like stands her because the first thing I remember she was doing doing when she got power is burning a rape victim alive, right? <laughs> 
Like that's the first thing she did when mm-hmm. she got any sort of power. Right. Um, the image that everybody posts about her being lifted by all the black and brown people and mm-hmm. she's just super pale and blonde, like Weird. the most, the most, yeah. more very racist image. Um, she, and, and then even in this episode, it kind of addresses it where like she burned these two people alive that she didn't really have to. And it was, you know, it was a shitty father, but a good brother of, you know, Jon Snow's best friend. And so I really, despise this character <laughs> and I do not under any circumstances want her to win. I mean, I, I do think that there's like something, and this is even in this new episode, there is something about like, and even in like the fan theories about like Jon Snow is like, is you know, with Lyanna and he's the like rightful heir to the Iron Throne. I'm like, there's something kind of like too monarchist about that take yeah. that like he deserves the Iron Throne and also Daenerys says is the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. I'm kind of like, fuck everyone who like says they were the heir of the Iron Throne. How I believed the books uh, were going to end and I don't even know. I don't know if this is true anymore and who knows because he's dead on the show now and everything. But I thought Peter Baelish was going to end up running the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah. Basically after the other armies like do team up and heroically team up to like defeat the White Walkers uh, uh, but they end up with their armies decimated and then like Peter Baelish just comes in and destroys them. <laughs> that would have been and cool. And ends up running the, uh, the Seven Kingdoms just as like well you know there's always someone else that will fuck you over in the end. <laughs> I always figured that that uh, Baelish would actually wind up dying in some epic uh, instance of dramatic irony where he had everything planned out to Mm. a T. He accounted for all of the human foibles that he could exploit and all of his enemies and allies. And then it's like, ah, shit, the ice demons are here with their zombie. (laughs) Like, I have nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. You know? So, like, for the end, I, I honestly, like, this... Again, I don't know if this sounds corny or what. I hope it doesn't. I really don't spend much time trying to predict what happens in the future of mm. the stuff that I'm watching. I was going to say and reviewing, but also just for fun even. I I, I I kind of, I feel like from my job, it would just take up too much mental real estate and I wouldn't be able to concentrate. So I don't really know. I You know, I think the big question is, Will it have a sort of morally or ethically or politically prescriptive ending where it does sort of dismantle the system does sort of break down and and some kind of council or you know rudimentary democracy you know Magna Carta style pops up or will everything just sort of go back to the status quo ante maybe with different people in place but the same basic system, which has existed in the world of the the story for at that level of technology and political development for thousands and thousands of years with the same families. I, I really don't know. I, I'm kind of at a loss. I figured I'll say this. I think John, Danny and Tyrion will die t- to defeat the Night King in some way, shape or form. Mm. Beyond that, I don't know. Interesting, interesting. So, I, I to be clear, like, so I, I, I haven't read the book. So, like, this system, this isn't like just a couple hundred years of the Dark Ages. This is a thousand, thousand years. It's tough yeah. because it's like there are histories in the book, and I'm like, 
do the histories like are the histories accurate you know what i mean like are the thousands of years kind of the biblical thousands of years where people lived for hundreds of years and shit like that like it doesn't like i don't know this is getting into it too much but i'm like it actually doesn't feel like it makes sense for them to have been thousands of years ago but that is what is said in the books yes there's um i was i've been rewatching some of it so the scene where they're trying to elect a new like captain of the night's watch or whatever the title is and they're like we're like coming up the the 900th night 98th captain you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but i also agree which is I, I get it's a fantasy world i get that like seasons last for like decades but i'm also like how is technology not advanced within like a time <laughs> where for like and it has to have been over 900 years that like there's captains because i'm guessing that's a position that l- at least lasts right. a couple decades if you're lucky yeah. so i mean the targaryens well, have, have been around for 300 years or so and that's like rock solid 100% documented and right. so you can probably backtrack from there several hundred years also and it's it's the same lords and kings and landed knights and, and and all this kind of stuff it's been the same and and I think it's been a long time since I've been really in tune with the community of like book reading people because I realized I didn't I would say very quickly but it wasn't it took way too long that I can't stand any of them <laughs> uh, um, uh, I think there's been some effort to I remember when I first got into it people saying that they figured the the length of the winters when winter comes has a kind of uh, like shaking up the etch-a-sketch effect where mm-hmm. you can only advance so far as a culture when every so often people starve to death because it's cold for two years mm-hmm. and things like that I, but it may be one of those situations where because people have asked Martin like, what's the deal with the the seasons? Did like the the Doom of Valyria like knock the planet's orbit out of whack or something? And he's like, nope, nope, just magic. And then people are like, really? Like, yeah, just magic. That's it. Just so maybe it's just magic. World. Yeah. You know that that's kind of interesting. Like, because if you know this conception of this like perpetually like medieval like hellscape right like they're constantly <laughs> in this one state that we we bypassed in a couple of hundred years but these people will never ever be able to escape it that's kind of an interesting like <laughs> new take on it um and also the idea like so we everybody's talking about like the night king and all them but that's not winter that's not winter is coming like even if they survive like the zombie army, they still have to deal with like uh, extreme cold and starvation. Like after that, right? Isn't that mm-hmm. the, isn't that the deal? Yeah, there's yeah. always that like I want to say like threat, but and there's a big thing which I forget if they bring it up in the show, but the whole point is like at the start of the books, they're like this has been a very long summer, and I mean, right. like I said, going back to like memes, right. like oh sweet summer child, you know, mm-hmm. is something that yeah. comes up. But the big thing is that usually if it means a very long like summer, that means like a long winter. Yeah, and there's yeah. a recurring thing in in the books where if winter is if it's autumn and winter is on the way, <sighs> and there happens to be a war, the North gets really excited because. They're like, we can send a bunch of us off to die <laughs> so that there'll be fewer mouths to feed for our families, you know. And there's also a thing where old people, sick people, you know, they'll just they'll just get out of their cabin or whatever and just go and leave and die so that there's less, you know, you, you can split the food between fewer people. 
you know, so he's thought through some of these things in a kind of interesting way about what people would do under these circumstances. Um, but yeah, the, the, the long night is the worst of the winters, but even again, people, people are like, well, maybe if they beat the night King, then the seasons that won't happen anymore. But like, like it's a Disney movie, like, like the night King's going to die and like the sun's going to come up and they'll stop raining. (laughs) (laughs) Disney bunnies come back. Like when the the ship rams Ursula. (laughs) He was making the winters long. (laughs) John Wynn goes to the top of Pride Rock. John Snow goes to the top of Pride Rock, starts roaring. (laughs) All right. So we, we know one other element of why, um, Game of Thrones is so such a cultural touchstone and part of that is because um people in the media class think they're all in the political class uh think they're all characters in game of thrones uh, Uh. sometimes and their heroes their leaders are these characters we've all seen the hillary uh, queen of dragons means the most awful thing to side of boomer facebook imaginable <laughs> she is um I, I guess those will stop now since she's apparently not running but let's come up with some new ones then who what, oh, i've seen beto beto who which one is beto oh boy i think they just i think they just kind of photoshopped him is into- he danarese too is he the queen of dragons? <laughs> he, 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 I basically Beto yeah. Gets like they, they put one. him on like, a dragon. I actually think maybe Beto is Rob or something. Because <laughs> Rob was not like Rob. Rob Stark was a little bit. No, no. I think he's actually who was the other. Uh, uh, who was uh, Stannis's brother? Renly. Renly. Oh my god! No, he's, he's like totally Renly. Renly. It's like he's a look Renly. at yep. look at this handsome young man. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna do what's right. Yeah, he's so charming <laughs> and handsome, right. and then he just dies immediately. He's also like making a claim to the throne that he has no he has no claim to it. Stannis was the rightful heir. If you're going down that path of succession, well, I guess actually, yep. Well, he is because Joffrey is is not a, a, a real son. Right. So yeah. Uh, uh, just like Beto has no claim, I think too that Renly has no claim to the throne. That would make Biden Stannis. Centrist <laughs> who has the rightful claim. Biden, I guess, is Stannis. But Stannis would never would Stannis would never be caught dead acting so ridiculous in photos like Biden. <laughs> right. Uh, Stannis would never do something like that. Stannis was not handsy. No, no. Oh God. Does this else? make um is Bernie Jon Snow? I, uh, I like I said I go back because I think my favorite character is Davos Seaworth because Davos is a man of no true power. He's just a regular dude. And because of this, I feel like he's one of my favorite perspectives to read in the books just because he's not someone coming from lineage or anything. So right. I think Bernie's Davos, ah, but I love Davos, Davos so yeah. Yeah, 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 the Onion Knight. <laughs> I got in a, a fight with Emily Nussbaum, the Pulitzer Prize winning television sure. critic for the New Yorker, who uh, the first of several fights, and I don't think we're on speaking terms anymore. I've been in a few with her in, too. In one of her, she's it's I uh, yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, um, so I got in a fight with her on Twitter a couple few years ago. When the High Sparrow character was introduced, uh, who was played by the great Jonathan Price, because she did a column where she compared Hillary to Daenerys, 
Mm. And mm. for the High Sparrow analog, she chose Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah. Because he looks this. like him. Because he <laughs> kind of looks <laughs> right. like him. And that's, like, the depth of the thinking involved in this. I'm like, right. okay. So I said to her, like, I, I kind of... Actually, wait, no, it wasn't Daenerys that she was comparing. It was Cersei, because she was hot for Cersei at this point. Okay. To, to, to Hillary Clinton. And the High Sparrow is Bernie. And I'm like, so you looked at the world... And your analog for the like the the religious zealot who is torturing <laughs> gay people and like and and punishing this woman basically for being a woman is right. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> like it, it the, the the that's the thing that bothers me the most about these really cheap and lame political analogs. Is first of all, it's it, that's a stupid thing to do. Like the fiction can help us understand the world, but it's not. Unless you're really kidding, it's not supposed to work as like a one to one thing. Unless no. it is a very clear allegory. Unless you're talking about fucking Animal Farm, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, and then, and then, t- on top of that, most of the people making these comparisons are stupid as fuck. Like they're so they're the <laughs> dumbest people alive. Right. So you have you know that's half the problem right there. I I just can't even. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust them to make a fucking cup of coffee, let alone like read thousands of pages of literature, or even fantasy literature, and figure out what the hell's going on and how you can apply it to the real world. It's just the that's I think the the most insufferable thing. It's like, and it's the same with the West Wing and Parks and Rec and and I don't even you know I guess those are probably the big three, aren't they? I mean, Simpsons those, for lefties. That's the Trinity. That's the yeah. Trinity. Yep. Yeah, yep. Simpsons, Simpsons for leftists is right. right. You're right about <laughs> right. that. You know, and, and it's just like, they're not meant... Th- that's that's the Hope Punk Trinity. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the Hope Punk Trinity, right. Yeah. Right. And it's it just a... You know, I, I think there's probably a world in which maybe... They're really not my speed. But maybe there's a world in which I could have enjoyed Parks and Rec or the West Wing. But it's not the world in which... The, the shitheads who got us into this situation are like, I, we need a Leslie Nope. <laughs> Fuck you. I, can't I think I think about Parks and Recs all the time because I remember watching it when it was coming out and it was an Obama era. I was yeah. I think I identified more liberal than like leftist. I think I became more like sure. angry leftist. Yeah. And I remember just liking that show. Not in a sense of, oh, we need a Leslie Nope in office, but I was like, this is a fun, lighthearted show about different right. people who come together for the good of society. So I almost kind of viewed it a little bit like socialism to an extent. And now, like, I get, like, disgusted if I, like, see <laughs> any, like, mm-hmm. Parks and Rec's, like, meme. Like, like ah, uh, like, and it makes me think, um, I guess just how much the times have changed and how much, like, yeah. I think a lot of us, like, quickly really shifted our views and we we're like, no, this is bullshit. There's yeah. a great piece <laughs> in bullshit. Uh, there's a great piece in Descent magazine that I just pulled up, uh, uh, written by Timothy Shank called Already Great. And it's like this dissection of the Obama era yes. optimism from Mike Schur, like from his public statements and also from the show. I think it's like mm-hmm. a, it's a pretty good piece. Oh, it's, it's I, like, I loved it. It summed up. It basically summed up what I just said, but like, you know, a real writer wrote it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really good piece. I, I would recommend it to anyone listening and also, you know, those that we're recording with right now. Everyone just read it. <laughs> Look, you know, all of that was very interesting, but none of you really answered my question. Which one of these characters is Donald Trump? Uh, which one's Trump? Which one is Trump? 
uh, um, um, Ramsey Snow because he's mean to women. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's almost <laughs> like probably Robert Baratheon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's this guy who's like totally unequipped to govern, except he like won a war once, and so now he's like <laughs> yeah. just in charge of everything. He was, and he, he was, just he, likes to like drink and fuck around and have fun or whatever, but mm-hmm. doesn't really know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, his one skill was owning other people. Like, right. you know, like that was like, it was so great. Like, watch the the early Republican primaries yes. before you realized what was actually happening. Oh, he's gonna win. Uh, you know. <laughs> Right, and it was just like I, I was so excited to watch an entire generation of Republican hopefuls just get right. humiliated on a national stage to the point where they can never possibly come back and, and, <laughs> well, and have any kind of meaningful Im- impact on the on the country. I was like, "Oh, this is great! We're going right. to win!" Like, and 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 then. Robert Baratheon <laughs> was like exceptionally good at like hitting people with a big giant hammer. Like he was so good at going all around Westeros and hitting everyone with a big hammer. The same way Trump was really, really good at doing like roast jokes at debates. Like they right. don't qualify you to run the country. You know what and I mean? There's, right. And there's that great scene in I think like season one where they realize Daenerys is still alive and he does kind of pull like this like Trump like um um folks just want you go kill her. Just just go send some send some folks overseas. <laughs> And just you know, kill her. Yeah. You know, Ned Stark's like, no, we don't murder children. What the fuck is wrong with you? But <laughs> right. it goes back to that thing about yeah, that Trump. is funny. Like where they where they would be like behind closed doors. He like pitches things that aren't even possible. Like <laughs> yeah. you heard from Trump that he's like, can't we just like kill all the Mexicans or something? Right. Like, uh, uh, yeah, that, I think it's Robert Baratheon. He's, yeah. he's my Trump pick. Of all course, right, the problem we're... is that um, he should have killed Daenerys. So you're just <laughs> basically all of you say Trump is right about everything. Oh no. No. <laughs> Damn it, you got me. <laughs> All right, folks. I am a Trump supporter. <laughs> that was Game of Thrones. Um maybe we'll, maybe if if the ending of it is interesting, we'll come back and you know recap it. We'll do it again. Five episodes left. Five, Five episodes, episodes <laughs> until we know what happens at the yeah. end. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for uh joining us. Uh Emma, uh where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Hyenas and Gin. I found gainful employment, so it's unlocked. Come say hi. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Yay. Thank you. And Sean, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at the Sean T. Collins, and I'm online in general at SeanTCollins.com. And I have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash the Sean T. Collins. And that's probably, that's actually now the easiest place to find everything that I do. If you yeah, because you did a hundred posts. You're doing a hundred posts about Roadhouse. Is that correct? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm writing an essay a day about Roadhouse for uh, all wow. of 2019. So I've done 106. <laughs> oh wow! wow. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. That's that's my big achievement in life. <laughs> I'm doing a morning show that nobody asked me for, so you know, everyone does stuff. <laughs> well, all right, everyone, have a good one. Peace. Later. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Thanks. Yeah.
like what you hear, want to hear more, check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.